The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of May is my friends over at Banner of Truth Trust. The Banner of Truth Trust is a Christian organization which publishes books, organizes conferences, and publishes a monthly magazine. Their objective is the promotion, advancement, and dissemination of better knowledge and understanding of the history and the doctrines of the true biblical Christian faith. They seek to inform, encourage, strengthen, and equip ordinary Christians and have a particular concern for ministers and pastors and those training for the ministry. While the banner is most well known for the promotion of the best Christian literature from the past and the present, men in the ministry should know about their minister's conference, one held in Pennsylvania at the end of May and the other near L.A. in the middle of October. The banner hosts simple conferences focused on the preaching of the word, prayer, fellowship, and of course, heavenly discounted Banner of Truth Trust books. Learn more about their books and conferences at thebanneroftruth.org. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 43, and I'm doing a series on complementarianism. And really, I'm just wanting to help you as a pastor or one day pastor think through how to speak biblically without shame or fear about gender. So let's pray and ask for the Lord's help today. We're talking about part three, the glory of the woman. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your ever-present grace. And as we talk about gender in a world that has completely lost it, and sadly, much of the church that's been sympathetic to a world that's simply lost it about gender. Help us to speak clearly with precision in a lucid and biblical way. And I trust God that you're going to help. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's what I'm trying to do. I want to help you and equip you to think about complementarianism. Sadly, in many circles over the last few years, complementarianism has kind of lost its way into this um, kind of jellyfishy, functionally egalitarian nervous to actually talk about it sort of thing. And I think that's really foolish and silly. And I think it's dishonoring of men and dishonoring of women. And so we do need to move a little debris again to kind of refresh from the last couple weeks. 1 Corinthians 11 is a treasure trove. Dive into it. It's odd. Head coverings. Oh my goodness. What do we do about this? But essentially what's happening in Corinth is the city is a sexually confused city. Paul actually has to tell them in chapter 16 to act like men. He has to tell the men that because they weren't. And then he has to tell them about how sex works in chapter 7 as he begins to talk about that marital, marital relations because people were having sex with prostitutes and there were former homosexuals in the, in the church. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we see that there were men who were not embracing their masculinity externally. They were dressing like women. And they were wearing their hair like women. And then there were women who were not embracing their femininity externally, they were wearing their hair like men. And they were like, hey, what's the big deal if I look like a man? What's the big deal if I look like a woman? It doesn't really matter. Well, Paul says, actually, it does matter. Nature itself teaches us that long hair, feminine hair, is the woman's glory. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 13 through 16, you can read this for yourselves. But he appeals to nature and just to common sense. Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's his disgrace for him? But if a woman wears long hair, it's to her glory. So the whole point is men be men, women be women. Embrace your gender 
externally. And so feminism enters in, and ladies, all the while embracing so-called feminism, reject femininity. I mean, you know this. And when we begin to ask the question to a feminist, what is a woman, and who is she, a feminist answer so often is, well, a woman is one who can do what a man does, whatever a man does, a woman can do, and a woman needs to have the exact same priorities and opportunities as a man, and feminists will reject femininity and Bible verses that speak to what a woman is and what a woman is to do, and a feminist person wants to be her own authority. And because of insecurities, unfortunately, women have rejected biblical femininity in favor of feminism. And it's garbage, to be honest. And there is a war in the souls of ladies in your church, an absolute war on their church. And it's just raging. It's all over the internet. It's all over Instagram. It's really prevalent over Instagram of women who actually hate femininity. And non-Christians, sadly, have influenced Christians in this. And it's pretty silly. Uh, you've probably heard stuff like this. I'm, I'm assuming you've heard stuff like this, and the ladies in your church certainly have heard stuff like this. Well, God just really must not get women. The mom blogger kind of goes on, and God just wants me to know my f- full potential. If I fall in love with myself and never settle for anything less than what I deserve, then I will be happy. Moms were somebody before they had children, and that woman matters. Mom, take care of yourself first. Girl, if you want to get it, go get it. If you only knew how amazing you really are, it would change everything. Girl, wash your face. You know, that book that was out. Work hard. Build your life. And then here's what Jesus says, and he just kind of throws a wrench into all this nonsense. Jesus comes in and says to everybody, men and women, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. All right. Sadly, today, a woman doesn't feel like they can be satisfied, doesn't feel like she can be satisfied unless she's living a a life of a man or a life indistinguishable from a man. And it's foolishness. It's absolute lies. And we have churches and people that are sympathetic to this stuff. And if you just go out and just Google, this is interesting, if you just Google why are women so unhappy, uh, some of the things that I found, one from Psychology Today was absolutely stunning, and it's not shocking at all. But listen to this profile of the most unhappy person in America. The most unhappy person in America is a 42-year-old female, unmarried, with no children, working a professional position such as a doctor or lawyer or something like that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, the most unhappy person in America now listen to this Time Magazine article, uh, 2009. Among the most confounding changes of all the evidence tracked by numerous surveys, as women have gained more freedom, more education, and more economic power, they have become less happy. No tidy theory explains the trend, notes University of Pennsylvania economist Justin Walfers. Well, here's the answer. Women cannot find peace by rejecting God and their femininity and embracing feminism and acting like men. They will never find peace. So let's do a quick refresh, and then I want to consider four things. You need to think through this, pastors. You really need to think through this as you're trying to equip. Complementarianism is more than just men or elders. We are equipping women. We need to equip women biblically to be women and men biblically to be men and talk about it in such a way that shows that every other model is actually incredibly demeaning and needs to be thoroughly rejected. Okay? So a quick refresh, Genesis 1.27, men and women are created equal and so much more. Women are created equal and feminine, woman. And the woman is, here's an answer and definition for you, not just trying to be a man or doing what a man does. The woman is created in God's image. That's glorious. Ladies are made by God and they're made for God. And how, how about that for some dignity? 
Yeah, feminism doesn't have an answer for that. What is a woman? Who is she? And what's she made for? Christians do. She's made by God for God as a woman, created in the image of God to glorify God. And the scriptures portray these four kind of uh, ideas about who a woman is or what a, what a woman is to do. She was created to be a helper, a nurturer, a homemaker, and she was created to be weak. Yes, you heard me right, created and weakness. So she's sees we see glory as a helper, glory as nurturer, glory as homemaker, glory, glory and weakness. So glory is a helper, Genesis 2.18. Uh, she was created, made a helper fit for him, Adam. Helping is really glorious. Eve was made specifically to be a helper. We see this in the lives of women. It's not just a wife, but women just ingrained into who a woman is. It's built to be a helper. Ladies go around and they are really good at helping any situation they go into. They're built for this. Now, I'm speaking in generalities here. And so when I'm speaking in generalities, I'm I'm thinking the big picture here. Some ladies struggle with these more than other ladies. But All ladies are made to be a helper. God calls men to work and to keep the garden. In in the garden, Adam and Eve. Adam was built to work and keep the garden. He's built with strong shoulders. But he's not built to do this alone. For him to do this well, he's going to need a helper. He's going to need a helper in the mission. And so God creates this helper. So God creates this helper fit for him. And that's what women are built for, to be a helper. A helper is a beautifier, coming alongside and helping the man make this thing better than it is. He's doing this, working and keeping, and the woman comes along and makes it beautiful. Kind of think of it in this way. I think I got this from Rebecca Merkel in her book, Eve in Exile. If a man is building a house, the woman comes and makes it a home. If a man is putting up the structure and building the walls, the woman comes in and she beautifies the thing. It's not just a utilitarian home. It's a home of beauty. And I think this is applicable everywhere. A woman is built to help her husband and help those around her get things done in a way that couldn't be done if she was not there. So a woman was built to be a helper. A woman was built to be a nurturer, a helper of others, a nurturer of others. Women are built to nurture. They're built with a uterus. They're built with the ability to get pregnant and to have children. And God created them to help the man fulfill the creation mandate and multiply in this earth and take dominion over it. So women are called to be nurturers. They're built like this. It's a part of who you are. Lady, it's a part of who ladies are across the board. And if they struggle with being nurturing, they need to grow into this. And you need to challenge them to grow into this in the kindest and most biblically faithful sort of way. But they are built to be nurturers. And I know a woman who is not a mother, and she's one of the most nurturing people I've ever met. Now, this is interesting, because men are not permitted by God to have babies. We are not natural nurturers. Men are not. When men see blood, the first thought in our mind is, man, that's going to be a great scar. Way to go, son. Way to go, daughter. There's going to be a great scar. Ladies, however, are built to care and nurture and take care of. Now, this is really interesting. So empathy, and there's like, if you look at like psychology today, again, there's, there's different levels of empathy from men to women, because women are built, again, to be more empathetic. They're built to be helpers. And John 14 and 16 Jesus shows us the dignity in this because when Jesus names the Holy Spirit, shows us the name of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's name is the helper, the helper. So when we think about what the Holy Spirit does, always pointing people to Jesus, the way in which the woman is to be nurturing and helping is to to kind of model the work of the Holy Spirit in pointing people to Jesus. When women, your glory, the, the glory of women is seen, and we need to help them see this when they are helping others see Jesus. 
Third, the woman is the glory of the woman is seen as in a homemaker, as a homemaker. Titus chapter two, verse three through five. The woman is called primarily to the home. In the Proverbs thirty one woman, even though she has a job outside of the home, it happens in the right time, in the right order, after her home is taken care of. She sees that the work of her hands is going to be valuable. She sits on it until the right time, and then she focuses her, her attention at home. A woman is primarily called home first. It's not wrong for a woman to work outside of the home, but it is wrong for her to not work in the home. And fem- feminists have successfully convinced the world that homemaking is brainless and bottom-of-the-barrel existence, and it's just don't listen to the feminists, for goodness sake. Just don't. Actually, women are called in Titus 2, 3 through 5, to love their husbands and children and work from home. And all of this is done and to submit to their husbands so that the word of God may not be reviled. Ladies were made, created, and built to be primarily working from home. They are meant to battle the world, to change the world through fighting for the home. And to neglect the home is literally to revile the word of God. And all the messages today and again, sadly, in some complementarian circles, nobody gets to this. It's just very rare. And if you do get to this, automatically people say, well, see, you're just wanting ladies to be barefoot and in the kitchen. Oh, my goodness. No. But if a lady is never in the kitchen, she's actually violating God's commands to her. So the way a wife loves her husband and children shapes the husband and children in the home. If you want to affect change, if the ladies in your church want to affect change in this world, if they want to impact the next generation, if they want to disciple and evangelize, my goodness, if you want to make a big splash in this world, equip your ladies biblically to see the home as what it is. It's glorious. If their life is going to count, you want to make the splash, take the home seriously, and the culture of grace that's in that home will impact the world. And your kids are going to grow up, they're going to be shaped, and your wives are going to be doing this. They're going to be shaping them and helping them. Generations are impacted when women take the home seriously. And men, as pastors, we've got to equip them and tell them this. And then ladies, their glory is seen in weakness. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 calls the woman the weaker vessel, that husbands are to live with our wives in an understanding way because she is the weaker vessel. Now, Paul shows us the glory and weakness in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Our, our wives are weaker than us. They don't have the shoulders. They're, men are physically stronger than women. And I know that's hotly contested today, but I'm sorry. It is what it is. If you take like the top you know, million strongest people in the world, they're all men. Men are stronger than women. Yes, there's an exception of one lady in the state that's as strong as you know uh, the top 15% of men in the state or something like that. But men are called to be the protectors and the providers. And one preacher years ago said that men are created, and they're kind of like thermoses and women are like goblets. And I think that's really good. I think that's a helpful way. Men are to protect their wives and, and never be patronizing to them, um, never called to pity them or anything like that. Their glory is seen in their weakness. They're built in a different way. And husbands need to understand this. They're not built to be men. They're built to be women. And their glory is seen in this. And Paul actually talks about how glory is seen in weakness because that's where strength is hidden. The strength of the Lord is hidden in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Paul's talking about boasting in his weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on him. And ladies are built like this, so the power of Christ, it's a gift from God. It's like this little secret sauce that you're created to be weaker. Okay, praise God. That Lean on the power of Christ. Like, lean on him. That's what you want. And then you will be strong. 
If we neglect this, if we adopt complementarianism light or soft complementarianism, what people are talking about today, we don't get to this stuff because we're embarrassed by it. Don't embrace soft complementarianism. Get the whole thing, the 200 proof thing. Dive into the scriptures and go with it. Generations are counting on it. Men and women will not thrive unless we do it. God's grace to us is in the scriptures telling us how to function as men and women, husbands and wives in the church and in the world. Let's dive in without fear. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.